2: What's up, America? I am Rich Valdez. Valdez with an S, your liberty-loving Latino amigo right here, 17 blocks away from Madison Square Garden in New York City. And this is the Sunday edition of This Is America. Big shout-out to everybody listening down in Texas. Prayers to everybody out in Miami with that building that collapsed. And yes, I still want to move to Miami, irrespective of that. And of course, Kamala's made it to the border. But first, we're going to talk about... The biggest news of the weekend, in my opinion, El Trompito. that's right, Donis, Donis, (laughs) Donaldus Magnus is back, I'm so excited I can barely speak, that's right, Donald J. Trump, the 45th president of these United States, he made his comeback at a rally in Ohio, he's got another rally coming up, I think in Sarasota, he's got a few of them planned, and it's really exciting to see the president back in action, because... He's so fun to comment on, right? He tells it like it is, he goes out there, he rallies the base, he rallies the troops, and he just tells it like it is. I mean, nobody says, Sleepy Joe, better than El Trompito Donaldus Magnus. And I want you to hear a little bit of a clip from him at the rally just uh, last night, check this out.
3: After just five months, the Biden administration is already a complete and total catastrophe. I told you, crime is surging. Murders are soaring. Police departments are being gutted. Illegal aliens are overrunning their borders. Nobody's ever seen anything like it. Our poor borders, they were so perfect, they were so good. Drug cartels and human traffickers are back in business like they've never been before. They're doing numbers that they've never even thought possible. And just a few short months ago, drugs were way down. Human trafficking was way down. It was all way down. It was All they had to do was go away. For a little while, it was beautiful. But the schools, when you take a look at schools and you look at all of the things that happened, left-wing indoctrination camps, critical race theory, is being forced on our military. Gas prices are spiking, inflation is skyrocketing, and China, Russia, and Iran are humiliating our country. Joe Biden is destroying our nation right before our very own eyes. The number one priority for everyone who wants to save America is to pour every single ounce of energy you have into winning a gigantic victory in the
2: midterms and in 2024 All right and that's El Trumpito 2024 and I love the I just love the way he operates right because you you've got he's a really swift guy and you got to be sort of swift some people if you're a little bit too um, naive especially to political rhetoric you you'll listen to that and you'll think man He's coming back in 24. And every now and again, he'll throw in something like, maybe sooner. (laughs) And and it's never, uh, you know, it's never concrete. You can't nail it down. But I think it's just, it's fascinating. Some people buy into that stuff. uh, And I'll get into that in a little bit more about the conspiracy stuff. But he talked about human trafficking. He talked about critical race theory. And they erupted in boo. And I agree. These things are terrible for our nation, terrible for our communities, and terrible for our children. Trump is spot on. He always is. He has a great sense of of the pulse of the nation because he's a real man of the people, if you will, despite being a billionaire and a very avid golfer and all that stuff. I think at the end of the day, when you actually talk to the guy, he's very down to earth and he gets it. He knows what's going on. He's a dollars and cents kind of guy, unlike Joe Biden, unlike Que mala eres. Now speaking of Kemalares VP Kemalares she made her way down to the border and she was greeted by signs now let me tell you my phone was blowing up this weekend bing 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 and everybody was telling me the same thing I guess they heard you in Texas Rich and I said why and they said because there were signs all over the place to greet Vice President Kemalares with signs that said Kemala And I thought that was terrific. I put that on my Instagram if you want to check it out, at Rich Valdez, at Rich Valdez with an S. And they were saying things like, Kemala Harris is for trafficking, human trafficking. We've seen a surge in that, something that President Trump worked hard to put an end to because there was a surge during his tenure, but he did what he had to do. But yet Kamala Harris gets there and she says, "Well, you know what we're going to do is we're going to try and depress this. We're going to try and keep this um you know uh, at a minimum by reversing Trump's policies and then attacking Trump's policies that actually worked." And to me it's amazing that we have this situation, but sometimes I got to take a step back and say, is it really amazing rich or is that how life works? And I think that's exactly how life works. And here's what I mean by that. You put a glass of water that's filled to the middle on the table, and you ask two different people, what do you see? One might say the glass is half full. The other one might say the glass is half empty. Politics is very much the same way. You've got people that say, look, it is the responsibility of the government because they tax us to provide us with services. It's the responsibility of the government to take care of the needy. It is the responsibility of the government to provide. That's what it's there for. The state is almighty. Then you have people like me that come in and say, oh, hell no. It's not the state that's almighty. It's God that's almighty. And my liberty, my freedom, my rights, my right to life comes not from any Constitution or Bill of Rights. But it's cited in those documents because it's been given to me by God himself these are very different beliefs, just like the glass being half full or the glass being half empty. And I guess I've always looked at politics that way. This is why I don't hate my political opponents. I never have. I don't despise them. And I know there's people out there that despise the left. I despise what America could be if it were drastically controlled by the left. And I, and I guess there's a, a tussle. There's a battle of ideas, a free marketplace of ideas. And of course, they cheat, right? They cheat every, every which way they can, they will cheat. And when I say cheat, I mean, they figure out how to outsmart the system because that's what they do. It's never been about winning on the merits. It's always been about winning. Their focus has always been on winning, not winning on the merits. So when you have people that say the glass is half full, Versus the people that say the glass is half empty, you're talking about people that want to win at all costs and people that want to win on the merits. People that believe in justice. People that believe you should do the right thing. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. And others who say, I don't care about other people. I'm the only car on the road. I'm in a rush and you need to move out of the way. This is what ends up happening. But Kamala Harris, she, um, she goes to the border and she gets criticized by Representative Henry Cuellar, who's making tons of headlines. I mean, he's making headlines uh, everywhere because whenever somebody uh, of a party, you know, he's a Democrat from Southern Texas, and just like when you have Republicans like Kinsinger and others, when they speak out against Republicans, they become heroes to the left. So again, Henry Cuellar now is like a hero to the people on the right because he just says something that makes sense. Like Kamala Harris didn't even come to the border. She came to Texas. El Paso isn't the border. And that's the truth. But listen to Henry Cuellar. Check this out. We are very tight on time, sir. I know you've seen the vice president spend
1: some time near the in the Rio Grande Valley in your district. What do
2: you think this visit achieves today?
3: Well, you know, I- I'm glad that she checked the box and went down to the border. That's that's good. But the epicenter uh, is down there in the low Rio Grande Valley. I mean, that's the bottom line. If you want to get a mm-hmm. snapshot, go to Donna, Texas and see what's happening down there.
2: Go to Donna, Texas. Go to Brownsville, Texas. Go to McAllen, Texas. Back in the days when I was with uh, Project Veritas 2014, 2015, I had a team down there. We were managing multiple projects in Texas. And these guys at the border, they were giving us so much information about what was actually happening. This crisis that we're looking at now, it was going on back then under Obama. And they knew what was happening. And people were coming right across And at certain times, the tide goes up and down in the Rio Grande River. There's parts of that river that only come up to about your knee. Matter of fact, we did a a video with James O'Keefe crossing the Rio Grande River back and forth. Mexico, U.S., Mexico, U.S. To add some spice to it, we figured, let's dress him up. He said, I want to dress like a villain. I think he came up with, uh, I forget who. And we said, no, that's probably not the right person. But let's go with Osama bin Laden because he was uh, already assassinated by the the, uh, SEAL Team 6 at that point. So, okay, great. He dressed up as Osama bin Laden, camouflage, turban, all that stuff, and crossed back and forth, back and forth to show the vulnerability of the border. That was 2014 or 2015. And here we are still talking about it as hundreds of thousands of illegal immigrants pour into the country. I'm not trying to demonize or villainize any of these people that are coming here seeking a better life. I'm not mad at them. I'm mad at el pendejo Biden, Joe El Baboso Biden, for inviting them here. And for Kamala Harris to be like, oh, I ain't never been to Europe. What you saying, though? You know, these are the, the types of idiotic statements that come out of her mouth that I think are just totally uncalled for. But it seems like they don't care. Not only do they not care about Americans, they don't care about anybody. I mean, they try to put everybody into a different category. They try to put me into a category called Latinx. What the hell is a Latinx? Or as uh, the great one says, Latinx. (laughs) I get a kick out of that. And uh, we got a clip of Joe Biden talking about Latinx, but I'm going to play that for you on the other side. I do want to talk to you before I go about being safe when you're out there doing your thing. And this is for small business owners. If you're a small business owner, you got to protect your investment. And I was at a family party not too long ago. Yes, there were brown people. We also have some white people in the family, so they were there too. And one of them was telling me about a new business venture that he'd gotten into. And he's decades long in the insurance business, but was telling me about how difficult it is the business climate in New York because of Cuomo's policies and whatnot and the fallout that they see with restaurants and and everything else that's going on. And I said, well, how's that affecting business? And he said, well, businesses can get better. But, you know, we're always looking for a new client. And I said, well, you know, I'm going to give your business a shout out on the show because I think through the years that I've known you, you've done a tremendous job with helping people get health insurance for their employees. And that's Bob Ganun, friend of my family. And you can get in touch with them at Ganun Insurance. Now you figure, how do you spell Ganun? Just like it sounds. G-A, capital N-U-N, Ganun. Bob Ganun is the man you want to talk to about insurance and ganuninsurance.com is the website, ganuninsurance.com, ganuninsurance.com. You can even email him at bobg at ganuninsurance.com, bobg at ganuninsurance.com. Again, that's Ganun, G-A, capital N-U-N. Check out Bob. Tell him Rich sent you because if you're in the New York area or anywhere, honestly, because he can do insurance, I think, all over the country, he's going to help you get your employees the right type of health insurance. Employee benefits are his specialty. They specialize in that. So check him out. And straight ahead, Joe Biden on his Latinx and a little bit more racism being peddled by the left. Don't move a muscle. I am Rich Valdez. This is America.
3: This is America.
1: Para Inglés, o primal
3: número dos. Para Rich Valdez. Y esto es America. Ahora.
2: All right, America, welcome back. Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S. And we are here, live, New York City. And it's uh, always a pleasure to look out the window and see the yellow cabs rolling by. Let's me know, man, people are back. The city's starting to make a comeback. And then, you know, you look out the window again and it's like a ghost town out there still. It's such a difficult thing to look at. But this is part of the problem. Not only do we have bad economic policy, but we have bad domestic policy. And then we have all sorts of social policy that's hurting the fabric of society. We talk about critical race theory all the time, but there's so much more to it than just the oppressed versus the oppressor, right? That's oversimplifying it a lot. There's also a lot of talk about lots of things. There's this this focus on lumping people into groups. And Joe El Baboso Biden, that's right, the 46th president of the United States, Joe El Baboso Biden, Mr. Robinette himself, he was at the White House on Friday saying, you know what, it's awful hard to get the Latinx vaccinated. Now, what I find interesting here is th- there's a lot of reasons to this, and we'll talk a little bit about vaccines. I don't typically do vaccine commentary because, you know, honestly, it's just one of those things I, I don't really find it that interesting, but I know lots of people are fascinated with this stuff. But I want you to hear a little bit of Joe El Baboso Biden uh, Dissing me and my peeps when it comes to vaccines. Check this out.
3: There's a reason why it's been harder to get African Americans initially to get vaccinated because they used to be an experiment on the Tuskegee Airmen and others. People have memories, people have long memories. It's awful hard as well to get Latinx vaccinated as well. Why? They're
2: worried that they'll be vaccinated and deported. Okay. (laughs) I'm going to try and do this as best I can. So, first of all, I would presume that because of my brown hue, right? My brown copper tone complexion, that I am part of Latinx or Latinx, as uh, he's saying. I said that in my Trump voice, but still, you get the point. Now, my aversion to getting a vaccination is that I just don't like vaccinations in general. Other than the ones that were required for my children, I, I, steered away. I was always the guy asking the doctor, do they have to get that? Soon as I heard that it wasn't something that public schools required, I was like, forget about it. And now knowing so much more, I would even reconsider public school. And I highly encourage anybody listening to this to do the same. Private school, faith-based school, parochial school, I think you're better off. But I want to talk about, he says, you know, people have memories. Oh yeah, people have memories. Let me stop. 10 black people on the street in New York city, and this has nothing to do with them being black, but he brought up black people. So I'm just going to use the example that the president brought up and ask them, excuse me, are you used to being experimented upon sir, ma'am? You think they're going to say, Oh yeah, no. Yeah. I get experimented on all the time. No, they're not going to do that. Now I'm not saying it didn't happen. I'm just saying, I don't think most black people wake up in the morning saying, well, you know, the Tuskegee airmen were uh, experimented upon with syphilis. I'm sure there are some that, uh, a, are aware of that history, and B, are, are still um, angered by it, and rightfully so. That should never have happened. But the idea of saying that an entire bunch of people, because of the color of their skin, who do not want to get a vaccine because they don't trust their government, which is the real reason that he's trying to avoid, saying that they do that because of atrocities that once happened, I think is farcical. In addition to being stupid. Now, the second thing I want to talk about is this whole Latinx thing. And I talked about it before, but I'll say it again. In Spanish, nouns, m- many words, have a masculine and feminine pronunciation, if I can simplify it that way. Right? So I was on Instagram, and a guy was explaining why he doesn't like these terms like Latinx, how it's not a thing. And he makes the example, and it's a very humorous example, I forget his name. Otherwise, I'd give credit. But it's on my Instagram if you want to check it out, at Rich Valdez. You can see the I shared his story. And he says, very simple, in Spanish, for example, if you're a woman and I want to insult you, I will say you're a pendeja. right? So in this city, we could say, que mala eres. She is a pendeja. Now, if we want to insult Joe Biden, we could say you are a pendejo, right? Pendeja, pendejo. One is a woman, one is a man. So now, because we have created a society or are in the process of creating a society where gender is infinite, where we no longer use sex, male or female. And there was a people, some minor 1% of the population that um, I'm going to say due to birth defect may be considered other or hermaphrodite or whatever you want to classify them as because you have a choice to do whatever you want to do. But for most of our civilization, it's been male and female until now. And we have this infinite, unlimited number of acronyms to describe one's gender. And it's how you feel versus anything else. How can you take an entire language shared by so many people from so many countries and say, you can no longer say hombre o mujer. You have to say ellos. You can't say man or woman. You have to say they, them. Huh? Hispanics, they could be gay as all hell. They're not going to start... Calling themselves, hi, I'm Latinx, unless they're hardcore far left advocates that believe in Marxism over everything else, that worship at the altar of Marx and everything that comes with it. There's so much talk lately because of Mark Levin's new book about Marxism and the roots of Marxism and how you know it evolved uh, into Leninism, Stalinism, Maoism in China and in academia. Kimberly Crenshaw, Delgado, Bell, Marcuse, all of these now famous left-wing advocates for critical theory, critical race theory, critical gender theory, and you're seeing it in language. We even talked about it on this show, and I always forget this woman's name, but she was out in California on the West Coast, got fired for teaching kids about Marxism because she embraced the anti-Semitism that you see displayed by the likes of Talib and AOC all out crazy and Ilhan Omar. And that's where the Jews had to make a choice. Once liberal leftist Jews that said, you know what? I can't go that far to the left. I am a Jew. And if it comes down to to Marxism or just being a radical liberal, I've got to kind of come on the side of saying, I'll be a liberal, but I'm not going to be a Marxist. I'm not going to be an anti-Semite. And that's what we're seeing. So Joe Biden trying to embrace people with these terms to me only alienates us. I don't want to make Joe Biden my enemy, but I sure as hell I'm not going to sit here and applaud and say, oh, Mr. Unity and healing himself who wants to destroy an entire language that's based on masculine and feminine terms and just obliterate that in the name of, I don't know, political correctness, wokeness. No, 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 no. This push for racism in the name of anti-racism is ridiculous. MSNBC this morning, I took a screenshot. Their main headline at 1119 on Sunday morning, stop making the cops victims in the pride parade. Second headline, kink at the pride parade divides the LGBT community. And we're going to get to that in the next segment. But what I want to talk about right now is the racism that they continue to to peddle and perpetuate on MSNBC, like their host Chris Hayes, who on Saturday said, What riles up the GOP now is fear of multiracial democracy, not spending trillions on infrastructure. Check this out. What riles up the Republican base now.
1: At Baker's, no matter where you order free pickup, you get the same great deals as you'd get in-store. So you can save when you order during band practice, or at the dog park, or wherever. Start your cart with the Baker's app and save from wherever today. Baker's, fresh for everyone. $35 order minimum restrictions may apply. Subject to availability. And now, shop what you love and save $2 on each participating item when you buy three or more with your card. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Is fear of multiracial democracy, cancel culture, George Floyd protests, Black Lives Matter, censoring Dr. Seuss, critical race theory, constant, constant moral panic about the threat of those other people who either do not look like you or do not share your values, taking power and wielding power the way that they dominate the institutions of American life outside of politics. That's what it's about. That culture war, whose culture it is, whose America it is, is what the base cares about. They could give <laughs> about inflation or taxes or even welfare. I mean, all this stuff that's been tried and true Republican reactionary rhetoric for literal decades. All the rhetorical fire has moved away from the deficit and to some random school superintendent in Maine after his district dared to denounce white supremacy after the murder of George Floyd. Now, those are the kinds of lines Republicans cannot cross. But spending hundreds of billions of dollars
2: on infrastructure, whatever, no problem. Whatever. No problem. That's Chris Hayes. Now, Chris Hayes would fall into the category we just discussed. Pendejo. Right. That's what we would call him. But not just that he's a pendejo. But let's talk about exactly what he said and why. Right. If we look at what he says, he's saying that Republicans have always focused on this. First of all, this is the problem where they create these monoliths. Right. So there are all sorts of Republicans. People. Right now, are not all country club Republicans within the Republican Party, of course. You've got a lot of people, you got all these new Hispanics. No, they were not old, you know, they were not previously a a different race, and now they're new Hispanics. I'm saying they're new Republicans that happen to be Hispanics. All of these people that are saying, you know what, I like what Trump had to talk about. I love what he had to say because— Populism is growing now. I've never called myself a populist. I've never called myself a nationalist I've always called myself a patriot. I love this country I'll stick up for this country matter of fact tried to serve this country on a number of occasions and due to this health issue or that or whatever My gut my weight (laughs) didn't make the cut but it wasn't for a lack of trying but my point with everything he says all Republicans don't care about spending Duh, we've known that for a long time. That's the conservative mantra that went after George W. Bush and everybody else like him that was spending like a drunken sailor because populists and conservatives have a lot in common when they say, you know what, we care about what the people care about. Deficit spending is rarely the topic of conversation at anybody's dinner table. But people do care about the price of a gallon of milk, the price of a gallon of gas about their children learning that if they happen to be white, that they're now oppressors. People care about that stuff. They give a, that's right, Chris Hayes, they do. So when you try and position it as somehow Republicans are these evil, demonic people, which clearly, without saying you said, that don't care about anything because they really just care about the cultural issues. People care about their culture, all people. This is the reason Democrats have succeeded. But for taking a page out of the Democrats' playbook, I mean, all you've got to do is listen to AOC. AOC is one of the uh, more talented demagogues in politics today. She gets out there and whines about whatever issue and makes it positive sounding. We need to live in a society where healthcare is free, where people have a job, where they don't have to work three jobs. And people eat it up because, you know what? She's talking about the issues they care about, even if the solutions that she's presenting are asinine. The world's going to end in 12 years. I think everybody thinks that it's ridiculous. But when you can connect with somebody who's whining about the same stuff that you want to whine about, hence you have an audience. This is the reason talk radio works, because we're willing to say the things that need to be said. We're willing to say the things that are on people's minds. But Chris Hayes says, no, no, no. All all we care about is deficit spending. The idea of splitting people up by cultural affinity, by riling up white people because they're white and they're taking away your culture, is not something I support. Now, if you're thinking, but Rich, you do it every time you talk about critical race theory. I'm not doing that for the sake of exciting the white people. I'm doing that for the sake of The moment that we actually allow and condone white people to become the new enemy, what blacks once were, to become ostracized and othered, as they like to say, and minimized as human beings, we've created a new slavery system in America, a new caste system in America that pits American versus American and puts black and brown superior to white. I don't advocate for white supremacy and I don't advocate for black supremacy. But when you have cops getting shot in the head by people that claim to be part of the I don't give an F crew or F that crew or whatever, I'll have to fact check that later, the exact name of this crew that the guy claims to be a part of that shot the cop in the Carolinas. We've got a problem on our hands where people are willing to go out there and start hating the police because they're white, because somebody gassed them up and said, you know what, the whole police establishment idea stems from slavery. I mean, so does the name Washington, if you want to get into it. So does the name Jefferson. I mean, there's so many things that we can tie to slavery. If you don't want to pardon it, change your name. Be like Malcolm X. Do what you got to do. And again, just using Malcolm X as an example, because his name wasn't really X. has nothing to do with black, per se. I'm talking about moving forward in positivity as opposed to looking back and trying to relive and relitigate the past. Wrongs that are wrong need to be righted, and I think they were. I can't think of any legislation today, although Merrick Garland says that there's some legislation that is anti-black, but I haven't seen any anti-black legislation. And if I were black, I'd be the first guy out there saying, excuse me, just like when Joe Biden said, African-Americans. And Latinos, they can't vote because they don't know how to use the Internet. And I'm paraphrasing, but he said that in so many words. I called him out because it's stupidity. And the same way it's stupidity to say that the Georgia voting law somehow eliminates a black person's right to vote. How is a black person's right to vote different from a white person's right to vote? Is one's right to vote based on color today in the United States? Of course not. That's the problem. So when you start gassing people up and telling them that this came from slavery and that's that and you know people want to call like I played in two or three episodes ago when the guy called in about talking about redlining. There's not redlining today. Now people will argue and say, "Oh, but you know there's even people that appraisers are giving them lower lower quotes on their homes because they think white people live there versus black people." I'm not saying that the world is devoid of racism. I'm just making an argument that there's not legislation, a governmental, institutionalized, systemic racism problem. I don't see it. That doesn't mean we should not work on becoming anti-racist. I kind of agree with that. I just don't agree with Ibram X. Kendi, El Profesor. I I can't sit there and and agree on his philosophy behind being anti-racist, but I think I can happily call myself an anti-racist because I don't try to hold people back based on their race in my life with whatever type of power I have. If I'm a hiring manager, I've never hired somebody because of their race. And I wouldn't because I believe in the free market. I believe in the free market of ideas. Yesterday, my homeboy, Brandon Bryce, not a racial thing. He's actually my buddy, Brandon Bryce, black dude from Detroit. He's out in Delaware now. And he was in the city yesterday. We met up in Harlem and we went to a spot called La Floridita out in Washington Heights for breakfast. I had the mango. He had, a, <laughs> of all places, he orders a Cuban sandwich at a Dominican restaurant. But all that aside, we were talking about racism, per se. And, you know, he, he deals with a lot of diversity and inclusion stuff with a nonprofit that he works for. And I was saying how I think, you know, the whole idea, we were passing a housing project. And I thought, good topic to discuss housing projects, and I said, you know, the the whole idea of it, I was like, why don't we see massive amounts of white families in a housing project? Is it because of systemic racism, or is it because the same reason we see failing schools in black communities run by black people? It's not about racism. It's, It's not about the color of your skin. It's about creating a voting block, and you create this voting block, this base of support based on shared something, Shared values, shared vision, maybe even shared ethnicity. But when you have a black superintendent, a black board of education in a black neighborhood, it's a failing school, what they they call in, in the school world, a failure factory, where kids that are in fifth or sixth grade can barely read at the first grade level. Can you say that's systemically racist? Many people argue that case to me, and I just say, I don't believe that the black people are being racist against other black people. I'm not saying you can't be. I'm just saying I really don't think that's the case. I think it's a problem of systemic corruption, systemic immorality, where people are willing to sell out whatever they want to sell out in the name of power, in the name of position, in the name of of politics, it has nothing to do with race and everything to do with influence and the balance of power. And that's what we have to watch. We've got to watch out for systemic stupidity and systemic corruption. To me, those are the two big things you look at for. Because otherwise, you, you start to sip the Kool-Aid and you believe the hype about racism. But we had this discussion about racism and we were talking about how the, the housing issue. Wouldn't people be better off if... There were no housing projects. How many people do you think would actually opt to be homeless? In New York City, most of the homeless people that I see, they're not homeless because they they want to be homeless. They're usually homeless because they want to be addicted to something or they're suffering from mental illness. But poor people don't typically want to live in the street. So to say that poverty is the cause of homelessness would be a lie. These are people making choices based on poor health or drug addiction in most cases. So he says, oh, you mean like kind of like the invisible hand. And he's making a reference, of course, to Adam Smith's The Wealth of Nations, where they talk about the invisible hand and how the market kind of controls itself. It does its own thing. And that's, yeah, that's exactly what I was talking about. And we also talked about why would anybody get pulled over and say, excuse me, I, I, my parents are born in Puerto Rico, I'm born in Brooklyn. I would like a Hispanic police officer to pull me over, preferably one with parents from the island and born in Brooklyn as well. You, you can't make those choices in life. You don't get to tell them who gets to pull you over. You get pulled over by the cop that pulls you over. And that, that's the point. Now somebody's gonna say, yeah, but if, you know, if the Irish have uh, a political power with the police, then they're all gonna be Irish and then the cop pulling you over is definitely going to be a white cop, then you work on getting political power. It's a political power issue, not a systemic racism issue. But people fail to hit it on the head. They miss the mark each and every time. At least our friends on the left do. So the point that I'm making is we have to believe in a free market. We have to believe in allowing that which works to work. Because we don't necessarily have to socially engineer things in order to do that. But I want to get to this one last topic that is about just that, the political engineering of the economy and what Biden's doing about it. And I've talked about it before, but I'm gonna keep talking about it because I think uh, I think I'm onto something. Anyway, don't move a muscle I'm Rich Valdez.
3: This is America.
1: He's making podcasting great again. This is America with Rich Valdez.
2: Bienvenido, America. Welcome back. I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S. Now, we were just talking about systemic pendeja, right? Systemic stupidity, systemic poverty, systemic corruption. And one of the things that they keep talking about is infrastructure this, infrastructure that. Like I said before, thoughts and prayers for everybody in Miami with that building that collapses, like 150 people missing in the rubble, four or five only that have been confirmed dead. This is a horrible thing. And I, I would talk about that, but honestly, I a I feel bad about it. And B, there's nothing to talk about. They're just looking for humanity in the rubble, and it's a terrible thing. And infrastructure was to blame. Right, infrastructure all over the place. Whether it was their air conditioning, I mean, that building had a history of, of failures with inspections and uh, people saying, you know, there was a report in twenty fifteen saying this building's beautiful, but when you go inside, it's all rusty and it's leaking and it's this and it's that. So there, there's a lot of stuff out there. But what I want to talk about was infrastructure, and Bernie Sanders was talking about infrastructure and the infrastructure plan that Joe Biden's been talking about. Now, this infrastructure plan that they're going to get passed, this is a complete sham. He's trying to extract money as spending bills. The American Rescue Plan, the American Family Plan, the American Jobs Plan, whatever name you want to put on it, they're spending, spending, and spending. Trillions of dollars. But Sanders wants to talk about this today, saying, you know, of course, we, we need to do more for, you know, all of these things that he believes the government needs to take care of. Check this out.
1: So, what we have got to do is now invest in making sure that we have affordable housing in this country, that we have home health care for an aging population, that we're able to expand Medicare so that we finally can cover dental care and hearing aids uh, and eyeglasses, that we deal with the crisis in child care where so many families, working families, cannot afford uh, child care, and that in addition to all of that, it's absolutely imperative that we deal with the, I would say, existential threat to this planet of climate change. And when we do all that, when we invest in uh, health care and in education, making higher education affordable, uh, when we invest in transforming our energy system, we're going to create millions more good-paying yeah. jobs. So that's what the president wants, that's what I want, and I think that's what we're going to see.
2: Working families can't afford health care. So the fact that some a working family can't afford health care is somehow a green light to spend money on the Green New Deal. Er, hold up a second. Hit the brakes. How does that happen? It doesn't. But they think you're stupid. And honestly, some people aren't paying enough attention, and this stuff gets past them. They're listening to you know all of the noise. They don't see the forest or the trees. And then they hear things like, working families can't afford health care. Hey, guess what? I had two kids. I still do. They were little ones. All right? I was working in uh, for the state of New Jersey as a uh, uh, political, I don't know, what was my title? Regional coordinator for the state of New Jersey, appointed to the Christie administration, worked in Trenton, 120 miles every day, back and forth to Trenton. My wife at the time, insurance broker, she's still an insurance professional. We both worked. We worked hard. We owned a home. We paid our taxes. And guess what? We couldn't afford to send both of our kids to the type of childcare that we wanted to send them to. Okay. What do you do? You call up abuela. You call up mommy. You find out somebody in your family who, hey, so-and-so looking for work. Good. I could pay her $300 a week because, well, why? Because the daycare wants $1,200. who has got $4,600 a month for that type of thing? Well, some people might. And some people might live on the Upper East Side of Manhattan too. But my point, there's lots of working families that can't afford child care. You've got to figure it out. That's what this is all about. Have a more uh, affordable lifestyle, maybe. I mean, we're, we're in these situations by choice. No one forced me to have children and to make a family. I love my children. I have my children. I want to work. She wanted to work. I mean, this is pretty common sense stuff. But Sanders takes everyday problems trying to create a populist movement on the left. Taking everyday struggles that people deal with because working families can't afford childcare. We have to expand Medicaid, health care. Right? You tell some family that's trying to raise some kids and pay their bills and put food on the table that, hey, the government can pay for your health care. A lot of them might like that idea. Some of them might say, oh, hell no. I don't want to give the government my money. I get a better deal at work. Or no, I'll take the government deal. You're going to get different opinions on everything. Again, the glass of water. Some say half empty. Some say half full. It's not about right and wrong. It's a difference of opinion. But the bottom line is he perverts and prostitutes every single issue. We see now Trump would talk about the issues. He was really talking about the issues. Those were the actual issues. When we talk about critical race theory, it's literally about what's being thought. An idea that's foreign, that was once just perverting law schools, that's now perverting everything in the name of the oppressor versus the oppressed. White people are permanent oppressors and poor black kids are poor black kids forever. You can never amount to anything. Just imagine if Herman Cain would have adopted that mentality or Dr. Ben Carson, one of America, if not the world's most famous brain surgeons. I mean, just imagine that. These guys would not have gone on to had any success if they would have believed the hype that critical race theory pedals that the Democrats peddle, that the left is pushing every way and every how they can. And that's what Sanders does. So he wants to push this infrastructure bill. The whole thing is a sham. It's because they want to get money. And they know that. So they're going to try and pass this bill now as a bill or whatever, blah, 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 super, because Republicans support that, but they're still going to get the money later. And I, there was actually this clip of audio, I'm not going to play it for you, but of um, Richmond, the uh, senior White House advisor, exactly saying that on Fox News Sunday just uh, a couple hours ago to Chris Wallace, saying, look, we're going to get this thing passed one way or another. So all of that aside, what does that teach us? Where does that put us? That puts us right here. The Democrats will do anything to maintain and gain or regain power, whether it's lying about infrastructure, lying about The family plan, about the jobs plan, lying about race and trying to trick people into things. I honestly don't care what party people are in. It just happens to be that all of the uh, worst politicians in America happen to coalesce and gather in the Democrat caucus. Okay. But this could easily happen uh, uh, with the Republicans as well. You've got a lot of tax and spend liberal Republicans, too. People need to wake up and pay attention. And I know if you're listening to this show, you are awake and you are paying attention, but we have to do more. We have to reach more people. Share that with more folks because too many people are stuck on this Bernie Sanders bandwagon where they believe that the government is the solution. I have to say, like Reagan said, the government isn't the solution to the problems. The government is the problem. We have to know what we stand for and we have to stand for something because if we stand for nothing, will fall for anything. That's why we've got to get out there and sound the alarm and let as many people know whatever and what have you. Matter of fact, I'm letting you know. I'll be on Newsmax Monday morning, 9.35 a.m. Make sure you check me out. We're talking about all the issues of the day. But we have to stand tough. We have to stand strong. That's why I always quote Hamilton and Sir Edmund Burke and tell you that the only thing necessary for evil to triumph is for good people like you to sit there and do nothing. So that time's over. It's time for you to stand up, rise up, speak out, do your thing. Stand up for America. Until next time. Hasta la próxima, America. I am Rich Valdez, and this is America. This is America.